So coming to Boy Meets Girl Part 2 tonight, and we've got a few weeks to go together. But tonight is really simple, and it's this, that the goal tonight and for life is for you to fall in love with Jesus. Thank you. That was awesome. And <laughs> the second part of that is, is to awaken one day to someone that God has put right in front of you that you would either say, whoa, man, or man, and you would go unreal because they have also fallen in love with Jesus. They are blowing my mind right now, but what blows my mind most about them is that they are in love with Jesus, and I am in love with Jesus, and there's like an attraction going on. There's a chemistry happening. We talked. There's a connection. We started hanging out. There is a definite common ground, and the most exciting thing is, is that I am in love with Jesus, and they are in love with Jesus, and we have potential because we are in love with Jesus. Marriage works best when two people who are really head over heels in love with Jesus wake up one day to God's person for them, and that person is head over heels in love with Jesus. That's how marriage works. It got quiet all of a sudden. I used the M word early on, second talk in the series, and people are like, whoa, time out. You know, some of you are looking at the person that drug you in here tonight. Did you know he was going to use that word? Is that what this is all about? You know, marriage. Can we just say that together? Come on, let's just give it a good, you know, hearty try together. Marriage. Okay, all the married people were like, "Mm mm-hmm. And uh, some of the I really want to get married people were shouting, and then all the other people were like, I don't like that word. I'm not comfortable around that word yet, and I don't know what all of that means. Here's the thing tonight. God loves marriage. And to even say this in a, in a political year, in a campaign year, it's like people, you know, as soon as you start speaking up for marriage, people start trying to pigeonhole you in some sort of segment of society. Can I just say to us tonight and remind us that no political party has an anchor hold on marriage. No part of the country has a copyright on marriage. No certain segment of our culture has a certain buy-in to marriage. God is God. He created. He started all this. Everything we're talking about is God's idea. God came up with marriage, and God likes marriage. Marriage is God's idea. It's not anybody else's idea. And he loves what marriage looks like. And this is a crazy thought right now. He's thinking about your marriage right now. Yes, thank you. Are you all together? Okay, are you married? No, well, you're going to be. He's pretty fired up. That's pretty awesome. I don't know if you've left home and uh, made a life for yourself yet, but you got the enthusiasm part going, and I like that. That was a man, not a woman, who whooped people, I'm telling you. That was pretty exciting. I was all ready for some woman to shout out and point to a guy, but no, a guy did. Marriage is an incredible thing, and even if you weren't thinking about it today, God was thinking about it. You may be nine years old, and this may blow your mind, and you can't really process this, and that's okay, but if you're nine years old, and you're in the room, and you woke up today, God was already thinking about your marriage. He was already thinking about the arc of your future and how he wants to lead you into the most amazing things. You might be a seventh grader, and all you're thinking about is trying to become an eighth grader, and uh, that's kind of like the top of the list right now. You just got two more months to make it, and then you're out of the seventh grade, and you're, you're thinking about maybe a girlfriend, or does she like me, yes or no, maybe check the box, and that's kind of where you are. But I'm telling you, when you woke up today, God was thinking about 
your marriage. You're like, what in the world are you talking about? High school student here, and you're thinking about getting a learner's permit or maybe getting out on the road by yourself, and you know, you got other issues right now. God's thinking about your marriage. If you're married, you've been married 20 years, God's thinking about your marriage. God loves marriage. You say, well, Louie, I talked to someone this week. They said, you know, there's a case for biblical and scriptural singleness. There is, and it's awesome. And we don't want anyone here to ever feel marginalized or left out or pushed to the fringes. If for some reason the path that God has you on leads you to a single life, God loves you. He will use you. He will bless you. He will flourish you, and he will work through you in enormous ways. That's absolutely an option. But for most people, in the arc of your future, God's looking at your future partner And even right now, he's thinking about your marriage. That's how important it is to him. That's why if you're a ninth grade guy and some other ninth grade guy says, hey, you want to look at this? God says, don't do that. Because I'm not just thinking about right now. I'm thinking about your marriage right now. And God loves the thought of a union that is so powerful and beautiful for him that it's unstoppable on this earth. And I want us to rally around that thought tonight. And I want us to come around this idea that marriage is a big deal to God. And I want us to come around a few thoughts as we do that. And the first one is this. And we're going to recap a little bit from last week and then jump in to this week. Tonight's message is called Pulling Together or Drifting Apart. Every marriage and every relationship tonight, present tense, is either pulling together or drifting apart. And God's idea is that it would pull together. And I'm telling you, the best way it can pull together if you have to leave early is if you fall in in love with Jesus and they fall in love with Jesus. And together you fall in love with the idea of being in love with Jesus and being on mission with him in his world for his glory. That is the best way to accomplish the greatest marriage possible on earth. A couple of things I want you to see tonight. The first one is this, that God has a plan. We're going to take some out loud notes tonight. We've already done marriage, so that's we write across the top of the page. First thing tonight, God has a plan. Can you say that with me really loud so we don't have to say it once and not three times? God has a plan. Thank you very much. God is the one who has created all of this relationship idea, and his plan is right here, second page. Uh, we looked at it last week, chapter 2, verse 24. You're like, chapter 2 of what? Of this book right here. Just turn to the second chapter, the 24th verse, beginning of the story, and here's God's plan. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife. First time wife is used is right here. So we're just a couple of, you know, paragraphs into the whole creation account, and now this man and this woman have a definition involved, and it's unity together, that they would be joined together or united together, and now she has a particular role in this relationship. She now is a wife, and so we're assuming that he now is the husband, and now the relationship has taken on a significance of God. They'll be united, he'll be united to his wife, and they will become one flesh. Now, that's just not on the physical side. That, that's a big comprehensive idea, that their lives literally will meld together into one 
heartbeat. That's why when we end tonight and we come to this conclusion tonight that if you're pursuing somebody or being pursued by somebody that doesn't share your heartbeat, it is not going to work because marriage is about a melding of two hearts together into one heart. And if your heart's beating for Jesus and their heart is not beating for Jesus, you can't have one heart. And so you and me, we got to fall in love with Jesus. And we got to believe for a day that we're going to wake up and God is going to bring to us a woman or a man who's also falling in love with Jesus. And that the unity of our lives and our love for his purpose in this world is unstoppable. They will become one flesh. And then last verse 25, this one got tweeted a lot last week, so we might as well say it again. Thank you very much for doing that, by the way. The one line out of my talk last week, broadcast to the world, the man and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. Okay, God has a plan, and can I just lift up a few thoughts about it? The plan of God is that a man would leave his father and mother. Now we should get some amens by the fathers and mothers, but not so much. Um, that he would stabilize emotionally, relationally, spiritually, financially, that he would gain some perspective on his purpose, and that he would invite someone into that purpose ultimately leading to marriage. Now, I want you to notice here, the plan was not for the man to rule over the woman. Now, all kinds of consequences happen. We're going to come back around those in a few minutes. The plan was not for the man to rule over the woman. She's his little servant. She does whatever he wants. He sits in the big recliner, puts his feet up, and just orders her around the house. The picture was that man needed a partner, and that's how we know that in God's plan, marriage is so important because there was Adam created by God in the image of God, fellowship with God, relationship with God, purpose on earth. He had something to do in, in, the, in, the, in, in earth. He was organizing and ruling over some parts of earth, naming animals animals, hanging out with God, and even as great as that was, and as satisfied as he was with God, I know that he and God had such a special thing going on, but even as special as it was, God looked at him and said, it is not good for you to be alone. God was thinking about his marriage when he created him. Before he ever knew there was marriage, before he ever knew there was women, or there were women, before he even knew that he was naked. I mean, he, he didn't know anything. He's just hanging out, naming animals, and God's thinking, this is going to be awesome. Adam, in the arc of your life, I see a partner coming for you, and she is going to blow your mind, and together, you're going to be incredible. And God is saying to us in that, that, it's, that, that the plan is partnership. This is the plan. Marriage is sacred and awesome and honorable in the eyes of God and his plan. That a man would leave and pursue and not rule over his wife, but lead his wife. I think if you take a survey of most women, they would tell you, yes, I would like to be led by a man. If you ask most women on the street, would you like to be ruled by a man? They're going to get 100% no. But if you say, would you like to be led by a man? In other words, not like he's in front and you're behind him eight steps back going, yes, sir, yes, sir. But you are right beside him in partnership and union and in purpose and in heartbeat together. But he is leading out of his strength and he is leading out of his role as God's leader of your family. And you are following alongside him in an incredible adventure with God. That is what is in the heart 
of people. And it's as simple as looking at the second page of the story. And it's lifting up marriage in a way that our culture really doesn't understand. Our culture is whacked out when it comes to marriage, and it's getting worse every single day. There's a show on, by the way. This is going to blow your mind when I tell you this. There was a reality show on just ended uh, two weeks ago called The Bachelor. Now, just hold on. You're not going to believe what I'm about to tell you. This show has been in, no, seriously, you're not, you're, you can go look it up online. It's online. You can go check, check me out when you get home tonight. But this is multiple seasons. We're down, I don't know what season we were in this year, but we're down to this show. Let me tell you how it works. This is, is going to freak you out when I tell you how this works. The end goal is that two people get married, and here's how they get married. This is pretty amazing, right? So they get this bachelor could get a bachelorette, but in this case, it's called The Bachelor, so you need a bachelor. So they got a bachelor. His name's Ben. He's a big, gentle type, you know, kind of stringy hair that kind of cool comes down, you know, across his face. He's a winemaker and a very, uh, you know, kind of a renaissance man. And they get him a, a bevy of women, a couple dozen awesome hot women from all over the country. Or semi, some semi-hot, some awesome hot women from around the country. <laughs> and they bring them all to him one by one, and he meets them all. And then they put all of them in a house together. Now, this is a, is a reality show you want to watch right here. Just take him out of the show. Just put them in the house together. That's going to be pretty crazy. By the way, it's reality TV. Can we just say this? We need, we're missing a word. Reality TV is not reality. It is non-reality. And that's kind of crazy, but we love it. For whatever reason, we love non-reality TV. And I'll tell you, the wackier it is, the more we want to watch it. We love watching other people wreck their lives and blow up their lives. And the more they blow them up and the more they wreck them, the more we want to watch them. Why? I do not know. Maybe it helps us feel better about the wreckage in our own lives to watch some crazy people wrecking their lives more than we wrecked our lives. And at least we didn't do ours on national television. So hey, that's something that we can feel good about when we go to bed at night. But they bring the women to him one at a time. One of the women came on a horse. No, I'm not making this up. I'll tell you what's going to happen. And I know it's crazy. I know it's crazy. What happens next is he begins the process of dating all the women at the same time. And a couple, a couple, every now and then, he chops off a couple. Didn't work out, didn't have a chance to connect, you never opened up to me, um, you know, blah, blah, blah. Couple go off by the wayside. Let me speed up now. Now he's into the, to the middle part of the show, so now he's kissing all the women. And he's apparently an amazing kisser, and so that's working out great for everybody. And, I mean, we're not talking about little, you know, goodnight kisses. We're talking about full-on, you know, in the hot tub, bathing suit on, bikini, embracing, kissing, a lot of that going on. And then at the end, he picks four of these lucky women, and he, they get a hometown visit. And he goes to their house, and he meets their family, shakes hands with their dad, which is always weird to me. Hello, sir, I'm dating three other women beside your daughter right now. Nice to meet you. Hello, mom, how are you? Nice to see you. Daughter's a great kisser, and so are these other three girls I'm going to go see in the next couple of days. He goes to every hometown. He has a meal in every house. He, he ends the night by, by saying goodbye and kissing the girl and telling her how amazing it was. Then he jets off to the next town. Then he jets off to the next town. Then he chops somebody off at the end, and then he gets three, and then he gets two, and they take the two of them to Switzerland. And he's going to propose to one of them. I know it sounds crazy. And they get two. One of them everyone likes, and one of them everybody thinks is a psycho. <laughs> and so he spends a whole day with one, and a whole day with the other one. Then he wrestles through the night, 
And then they bring both of them separately in helicopters up to a high mountain (laughs) meadow (laughs) in the shadow of the Matterhorn. And out they walk in a full evening gown, fully, both of them, hoping like crazy that he picks them. I'm not making this up. And there's this girl named Courtney and this other girl... um, Did y'all already know what's going on here? (laughs) Why didn't you just tell me when I started? (laughs) We could have already been to the end by now. Lindsay. (laughs) She comes out. I mean, talk about reality. He says, well, the day I met you, I knew you were amazing. And we've had something special from the start. I can't tell you what an incredible person you are and how amazing it's been to get to know you over these last few weeks. Say it with me. But. And as soon as the word comes out of his mouth, the tears start coming out of her eyes. And in a couple of minutes, she's back on the helicopter and another helicopter flies in and another person gets off and she walks up And he gets down on his knee and pops out a ring and proposes to her. And 15 million people in America watched it that night. Apparently, a few of you. (laughs) That's one in every 20 people in our country. And here's the thing. How many of you think it's going to work out? I mean, Us Weekly's already run a story. I told you my subscription lapsed, but I go read it online. Uh, um, Us Weekly's already run a story that he cheated on her. We can't verify that, or maybe they can't. I don't know the details. I'm not involved in that. I'm just telling you what I saw online. But here's what we know about these deals. They don't work out. I think maybe one of them did. I'm not sure. Tristan or somebody, did they ever work out? And then that other guy, the Chicago guy, did he, he might have worked out. So we're like about two out of ten have sort of worked out. All the rest of them just crash and burn before the thing hardly gets over. Do you know why? Because the first thing you get to do when you get to be the one that wins, and that's all the girls want, honestly. I don't think any of them are that interested in Ben. I think they all just want to beat each other. That is the main thing they are after is I want to win. And all of a sudden now I'm engaged to this dude. And the first thing we get to do as an engaged couple is watch this show. Oh, honey, I wondered what you were doing the night that you were out with whatever, whatever on that sailboat. Now I understand. You are like totally like lip on lip for like half the night. Incredible. That is building me up so strong. Oh, commercial break. Another girl. Wow. You were, whoo, man, that's pretty, wow. What, didn't they cut? What happened after they cut right there? What was going on there? And that happens for a whole season. And at the end of it, you go, I love you. And we as a nation can't get enough of that. 
the end goal is they're supposed to get married. But the process by which they get to that point eradicates every single thing God was dreaming about when he set the plan for you and me in motion. No, no, I know you and me, we don't care. We don't care if they get married. We don't care if they blow up. If they blow up, maybe she'll be the bachelorette next time. And sort of in the back of minds, we're like, well, they're all rich. They're all famous. They all got something out of it. They, pro- they all knew what they were getting into. They all knew, you know, what they were signing on for. So who really cares? It just entertained us for a while. But come on, how crazy is this world that we live in and the way it wants to twist around the beauty of the plans of God? And somehow we have an appetite for it. I don't know, maybe part of it was the good side of us, that we all have this dream of a fairy tale, right? That we're going to fly in on a helicopter with a cape on and a, and a, and a beautiful dress. And we're going to get out and Mr. Sensitive Winemaker is going to be standing there, you know, brushing his hair out of his eyes. And he's going to be amazingly awesome. And we're going to walk up and he's going to get down on one knee in the shadow of the Matterhorn and ask us to marry him. And maybe the fairy tale is alive. And that's a good thing that that's still down inside of people. I want to be the one at the end of the day. I want somebody to pick me. I want to be loved. I want to be valued. I want to be asked into this incredible relationship, but that's not how we want to do it. If I took a survey here tonight, in fact, I just will. I'll just go out on a limb. How many of you would like to be married to an amazingly wonderful, sensitive man? And the way you would like for it to go down is, is for five weeks, he would date 24 women, (laughs) including you. Have four at-home dates with three of them not you, and a couple of overnight dates in the couple suite with a couple of them that aren't you. Go skinny dipping in some ocean somewhere with one of them that might or might not be you, but at the end of the day, he picked you. And how many of you would like to be that be the five weeks leading up to your engagement? Show of hands, any ladies? Of course not. I mean, the guy you're dating, if he so much as even looks more than one half of a second at somebody in a restaurant, you stick his eyes out with a fork. I mean, (laughs) you know. (laughs) Oh, you want to go sit at their table, you know? I mean, was that what you want to (laughs) do? No, I was just trying to see the score of that uh, women's volleyball game that's on over there. (laughs) Nobody wants that. But that's that's what the culture's trying to sell. And all we're trying to do tonight is establish that there are some foundational ideas. I know foundational ideas don't go down really well in a fast-moving culture like ours. But God is a creator, and he's an amazing creator. And he's he's a thoughtful creator. He's a plan maker. He's not random or haphazard. And in God's plan, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and they will become one flesh. And the result of that right away is that they would be naked and not ashamed. They don't have to spend their supposed relationship watching reruns of the episode of their series three years from now or five years from now on TV. Oh, look, honey, they're showing our show again from five years ago when we met. And, oh, there's me kissing that other girl. Kids, turn off the TV. You know, I mean, the plan is so beautiful and so sacred. And we can spend 
our time embracing that plan and embracing the goodness of God, or we can spend our days trying to erase the plan. But as hard as we try, and as much as we might, you know, do the whiteboard thing and erase and erase and it's all off, you can still see, like on, on a little marker board in your office or a classroom or whatever, you can still see the little faint lines of the purposes of God. Because God's purposes stand forever. And it's not cultural. It, it's not about a certain group of people It's not about church people. It's not about people who live in a certain part of the world. It's God's plan on page two for how relationships go down. And we live in a, you know, really highly successful society where we've engineered a lot of different kinds of things. And we have a lot of options to work around the plan of God. But this is the plan of God. And you can embrace it or you can try to erase it, but I'm telling you, You're not going to succeed, and I'm not going to succeed. This is the plan, is that you leave and then cleave. So a lot of people say, well, let's just cleave before we leave. Who cares? You can do that, but that's not the plan. The plan is for a guy to pursue a woman, then to be united, glued together, melded together, one person, each coming into making this amazing relationship for all time. But you can do it different. You can uh, try to have a couple of different girlfriends, and you can be a player, and you can be hanging out with a bunch of people and sort of stringing a lot of people along. Or you can be a girl and dating a bunch of different guys or having a kind of relationship that maybe you, uh, I can't get into because of the thing Brad mentioned with a couple of different guys. Or you can be married to this person but have this on the side. Or you can be doing a lot of different things. You can try it a lot of different ways, and the culture keeps selling us all of our options to work around the plan, but the the goal is to say, wow, God's an awesome creator. Why would I want to second guess what he has done? I want to embrace the plan, not find a way to work around the plan, because in the plan is life and beauty and power and wholeness and a future for me, and all the workarounds, all the workarounds keep leading me back to the same place. You know, I, I, you just can't get around it, but we, this series is called Boy Meets Girl because that was the plan. The series is not called Whoever Meets Whoever because that wasn't the plan. And very quickly, everything got broken. In fact, the very next word after they were naked and not ashamed is now the serpent. And everything went haywire when they distrusted the goodness of the heart of God and the kindness of God. And there were consequences that came from that to the man, to the woman, between uh, the enemy and the woman, between the enemy and our ultimate savior, between the man and the earth. There, There were consequences that came in that process and everything was broken and everything went haywire. And in that brokenness, I fall. And in that brokenness, you fall. Therefore, I am broken and you are broken. And I'm telling you, we are a room full of broken broken people sitting here tonight. All of us have fallen short of the beauty of the plan of God for our lives. I am the first one in the room to say I have fallen short of God's plan, and I am a broken person as a result of it, and I'm the product of a broken world, and you're the product of a broken world, and in that world, there are all kind of workarounds, and the smarter we get and the more high-tech we develop are more workarounds to the simple plan of God, but there is no way to erase God's plan. Because it came out of the goodness and the pureness of God's heart. And there's no way to wash that away. 
there's um, all kind of options. You know, the world will sell you on a little square package that has something round inside of it. And they'll say, this will protect you. If you're in marriage, that's one thing. But if you're outside of marriage, they'll just say, this is what you need right here because this will protect you in the event that you want to work around the plan. This is how you do it. You just use this. And it will, most of the time, protect you from the reproductive consequences of working around the plan. But you're telling me what is in that little package can protect you from the fallout collateral of working around the plan? Is that what you've experienced in your life? That you just said to somebody, yeah, we were working around the plan, and, but it was fine because we had the little package and I feel great. Now, they don't make one of those that goes over your soul. And so instead tonight of saying, you know, but Louis, I, ha I have these feelings or... There's these circumstances. There's a reason why I'm, I'm working around the plan. Come on. In our brokenness after the fall, there's a reason for everything. This is what I've discovered. In our brokenness after the fall, there's a reason for every single thing we do. But just because there's a reason for it in our brokenness doesn't erase the fact that God has a beautiful picture in mind for us and he is on a mission to recreate in us the beauty that he intended in the first place. And so I'm just saying tonight, God has a plan for us, men and women. He has a plan for you. He's thinking about that plan right now. He is the creator and he is good and he is God. And the best thing I can do tonight is to come to trust him enough to say, I'm just going to embrace your plan plan. I'm not going to blindly follow because somebody said so. I'm just going to embrace the plan that you set out in the very beginning, and I'm going to stay with the plan, even if the world comes up with a crazy idea. I'm going to stay with the plan. And I'm going to take my feelings and my brokenness and my struggling and all of the reasoning and all the other craziness that's going on in me, and I'm going to bring it to the God of the plan and say, I know this is the plan, and I know that you, you know that I got all this stuff going on, so I'm going to trust you to put me in the plan the way that you're dreaming about for my life. The second thing I want you to see tonight is that Jesus is the central character in the garden. Can you say that with me? Jesus is the central character in the garden. The garden's not about Adam. It's not about Eve. It's really not fully about them. And so therefore, you're like, so far um, tonight, I mean, it's about Jesus, right? Yes. That this, this series is not about you finding him or finding her because it's not really all about him or her. This series is about you finding Jesus, and he's the central character in this story, in, in the whole story, and in this building tonight, and in Atlanta, Georgia, and in North America, and in the world. He is the central character in the story, and that began at the very beginning. Look, if you will, the next chapter 3, and we touched on this at the end last week in verse 21. Now, the consequences came. That's because when we try to erase the plan, consequences come, and we cannot avoid that in our lives. But I love that we're here to worship of God tonight who doesn't say, hey, you know what? You guys messed up the plan, so here's all the consequences, and good luck. God 
immediately moved in toward the man and the woman in their brokenness, and he immediately started moving to them with a kind heart and with rescue and restoration in his hands. Verse 21, because now the man and the wife know that they're naked and they're ashamed now. They were naked and unashamed, but now they're naked and ashamed because everything's gone wrong. Verse 21, the Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife, and he clothed them. Therefore, right in the story, immediately, God comes on the scene and does the most powerful thing that happens. Man and wife did something crazy, but God stepped in and did something powerful because God stepped in with mercy and kindness. He looked at them and said, you look pathetic. Look at the two of you, and I know you feel shame over that, so I'm going to make a covering for you. And amazing, imagine how amazing that was for God to do that. He took an animal, and he killed that animal, and he took the skin of that animal, and he made coverings for them. And I don't know what they look like, but I would like to know what they look like because it didn't, we're not talking about Fred and Wilma Flintstone here. I mean, it wasn't like some kind of caveman outfit, if that's what you're seeing in your mind. You know, God made the garments. God made the clothing. They were awesome clothes. And they awesomely fit the man. He didn't say, try this on, see if that works. Oh, it's a little big for you, but hey, you know, you blew it in the first place, so just lucky you have something. He put the clothes on, the guy was like, wow, how'd you do that? You made that out of that? Uh Uh-huh. I mean, Project Runway material. I mean, we're talking about like a serious artisanship. But it wasn't the plan that God would just make them an outfit. The plan was that God would send his own son on a rescue mission and that he, by giving his innocent life and paying with his life for all of our wrong, that he would be able to clothe us, not with the skin of an animal, but with the very righteousness of God, that Christ would take all of our wrong so that he then could give us all of his right and that we could wear the very righteousness of God in Christ in our lives, even though we came out of brokenness, that we could wear and walk in righteousness. And that started in the garden. Therefore, the central character in your relationships is not him and it's not her, but it's Jesus because he is the way maker and he is the one that heals the broken soul. I'm telling you, when you get into that relationship, here's how you want to get into the relationship. You want to come into it forgiven and cleansed and free of guilt and condemnation. Girls, let me ask you this. What if a guy came to pick you up on a date? That'd be awesome, wouldn't it? Let's just start with that. Amen to that. And uh, he was driving his own vehicle. Okay, that's two amens. All right, you go. I like the way this is going, you know. His parents weren't driving him, and we didn't take uh, public transportation. This is great so far. And he comes and and he meets you at the door. So that's amazing. You got three things going, right? No, four. He he actually spoke to you. So that's number one. He... uh, You're going on a date. He's got his own transportation. He meets you at the door. He walks you to the car, and and you're going toward the door, and he says, no, come on. I want to show you something else. And um, he says, come look look at this. And you walk around, and he pops up the trunk, the boot uh, for the Redmonds. He pops up the trunk, and he says, check all this out. Because I got a trunk load of baggage I just wanted you to see before we go to dinner. Over here, and he unzips his big duffel bag, and he says, this is April. Girl I just broke up with six months ago, and she is driving me crazy. I, I still haven't gotten over her. There's a couple of things that went down, and it's just all over me right now. I can't, sometimes I'm looking at you, and I'm thinking her. In fact, one time I almost called you April, which was really weird. And so that's going on. And then there's my dad. And so he pops up this big case, and it's like, yeah, my dad. Oh, Bob Sr., hello. 
And it's all in there. And I'm telling you, if you push a couple of the wrong buttons at dinner tonight, Bob Sr. is coming out of the trunk, and he's coming into dinner, and it's not going to be, be pleasant, right? Oh, and then I got this dark period of life. Let's not even talk about that one right now. And then I also have, you know, and, and then he says, I just want you to see all that. Bam, closes the trunk, and he walks over and says, come on, honey, you ready to go to dinner now? And you're like, ah, I think my hamster needs a vaccination tonight. I forgot. I've got an appointment <laughs> with the veterinarian tonight. I'm going to have to take a rain check on dinner. Because, see, you don't want to come down to the altar and, and look at a man or a woman and say to them, I love you, and I've got so much guilt and shame in my life for my broken past, and I can't wait to just join up with you and link all my guilt and all my shame up with you, because then you'll have half of it, and I'll have half of it, and that's going to be way better for me. So get ready, and the pastor even puts that in there. I do. I receive half of the, the, the junk that you carried in here today. Thank you. I'll take that. No, you want to come and stand there and go, hello. This is awesome because there's a huge cross over this wedding today, and on it hung the Son of God, and he paid in full. And because of that, there's therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. And I'm telling you, husband, wife, I believed in him, and I put my faith in him, and he set me free from all the things that were dogging at me and pulling me down. The shame is being put in the past. I'm not perfect, and I'm not 100% there, but I am way on the process to being free from guilt and shame and condemnation. I do. I do. And he says, amen. Me too. You're like, ah. Oh. Because the most important person at your wedding is not the girl that comes down the aisle. It is Christ, the Son of God, standing in the midst of you. The most important person at your wedding. Him standing in the midst of you. And that's the work that we want to ask him to start doing in us right now. You're like, no, I just want to meet a girl. No, you don't need to meet a girl. I'm just hoping that guy will show up. No, you do not need the guy to show up. You need to meet the central character in the garden. And you need to meet the son of God in the story. Because he has something for you that this dude or this chick are not going to be able to give you. And it's called freedom from shame and guilt and accusation. It is the blood of Christ that washes over us. You know, we got this big hand out in the parking lot just reaching up for freedom, justice. We were in Vancouver two nights ago, and we have some partners there as well. At the end of the night, one of our teams said, someone wanted you to see this note. And so I opened the note, and it was from a person that was there. It's anonymous. It doesn't have a name signed on the end of it. And this is what it says. Because, you know, 27 million is a big, fat statistic, right? Now, this is a real person. It says, Dear Passion 2012 Vancouver, I wanted to extend my hands and say thank you. Thank you for your support, your continued prayers, and your financial blessings. Anything and everything helps, especially when it comes to fighting such a huge problem in our society, human trafficking. I was only nine when I was sexually exploited by the hands of, and then she puts a context around who that is, which went on for years. I honestly wouldn't be here today at Passion if it wasn't for my Savior, Jesus Christ, 
I'm now safe and living in a program that is helping me see that what happened to me wasn't my fault and that God can take ashes and turn them into beauty. There's more ahead, and though at times I can't see it, the staff at least do, and I can go on another day. I felt completely imprisoned, trapped, and now I feel safe and free. No longer am I a sexual slave, but a young woman with purpose. Thank you from every bit of my heart for helping me experience life in a whole new way and find my Savior. God bless each and every one of you. Love, a survivor. Isn't that awesome? You're like, well, man, I'm glad that's not me. No, that is you and me. That's us. That's us coming out of brokenness and hearing that prophecy of Isaiah 61 that this person references in the note that God gives a crown of beauty for ashes. He gives the oil of gladness for our mourning. He gives a garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. And in Isaiah 61 it says, and God, instead of our shame, will give us a double portion in the land. Instead of disgrace, God will bring us into a beautiful inheritance. That's what the man in the middle of the story does. That's what the man in the middle of the garden does. That's what rescue and redemption looks like. Whether it's this precious person who at some point in the ark of God is going to be able to stand before somebody and say, you're not going to believe all the brokenness I came from. And I can say, man, I got all the reasons why we're going to have a dysfunctional future. But no, she's going to say, I had ashes and I got from God beauty and I'm able to stand here with Christ beautiful, whole, repaired, restored. And yeah, I'm not 100% there. I'm not 100% perfect. I'll always kind of be wrestling with embracing that truth. It'll always be a part of the story. But I'm coming to you to say, the man in the middle of the story is now the man in the middle of me. And the one who first put the clothes made by the animal skin now has covered me with this beautiful garment of Christ. And I'm wearing the very righteousness of God. I do. Oh, you can get the best dress. You can go on that other reality show. I mean, come on, shoot me before you make me watch another episode of Say Yes to the Dress. (laughs) But it's about coming down the aisle in something more than an awesome dress. The last thing here is kind of where we started. First thing is God has a plan. Second thing is that Jesus is a central character in the garden and in life. And the last part of this is that the best relationships have the same core. If the goal tonight was for you to fall in love with Jesus and for God to wake you up one day with some amazing person standing there who also had fallen in love with Jesus and for you together to be linked up for all of life with a heart for Jesus, to live for Jesus and to do the things of Jesus, then the simple reality in boy meets girl is is that you're looking for a girl who loves Jesus, period. You're looking for a boy who loves him some Jesus. 
that's who you're looking for. You're like, no, I was just looking for somebody who's hot and I got a shot. That's who I'm looking for. <laughs> no, no, no. First priority. First conversation. I know this might sound odd, but do you love Jesus? Oh, yes, I go to such and such church. Didn't ask you that. Do you love Jesus? Oh, yes, my father was a pastor. My grandfather before him. Uh, that's fantastic. But I'm not marrying your father or your grandfather. Do you love Jesus? Sweetheart, I, I couldn't take my eyes off of you. You saw me stumble over the table and knock over those other people's food. Wow, you're amazing. This might be odd. Do you love Jesus? Because I'm like totally like, you know, mesmerized by you right now, and I got to get there really fast. Do you love Jesus? You, you don't even know what I'm talking about? Okay, thank you very much. I'll struggle with your beauty, but I'm going to go on now and go back and sit down at my table, okay? So I'm just going to go back over here and eat my lunch and say, oh, no, 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 don't, no, 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 because why? Because you, you have a heart, right? You have something beating inside you. And what's beating inside you is, I love Jesus. Because he's the man in the middle of the story. And I love the man in the middle of the story. And I want a story that has a man in the middle of it. And the man in the middle of it is not you, and it's not her, it's him. And i got to find somebody who wants him to be in the middle of our story. And therefore, I need to know, do you love Jesus? You're like, well, we're not getting married. We're just hanging out. Okay, great. I don't even know what that means. And I mean, there's about 97 shades of hanging out. Are you dating? No, we're hanging out. We're, oh, you're hanging out. No, no, not that kind of hanging out. Just hanging out. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. I misunderstood when you said hanging out. I thought you meant hanging out, but you meant not hanging out, hanging out. Okay, I'm following you now. This is really clear. Every, cleared everybody right. They're dating. That's exactly what's going on. And so we're, 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 you're in this moment. You're saying, Louis, we're not going to get married. We're just hanging out. Here's a, here's a real newsflash for humanity. We, we fall in love with the people we hang out with. It's possible. And men, you do not want to fall in love with somebody who doesn't have Jesus beating in their heart if Jesus is beating in your heart because then you can't have the same beating heart. See, every relationship's either pulling together or it's drifting apart. And the main thing, there are a lot of things that help us pull together, but the main thing that helps us pull together is our love of Jesus, the one in the middle of the story, and our desire to make him known on this planet and to spend our lives for his fame. That's the main thing. There are other things. It helps if she will watch a whole football game. That's important. It, it, it helps if you'll watch, you know, Iron Chef, you know. It helps if you'll just sort of cozy up and act like you're interested, you know, or maybe the ver vice versa. I don't know. It, whatever it is that you're into, all those things play into it. It helps you learn how to communicate. It helps if this. It helps if that. It helps blah, blah. But at the heart of it all is are we both pulling toward the ultimate thing? And that's what God's thinking about in your ark. Uh, last passage of scripture really fast. We'll close around this. But it's 2 Corinthians chapter 6. And most people have heard it before. But Paul's just putting this in a big context. But it speaks to business. It speaks to close friendships. It speaks to partnership. It speaks to marriage. And this is what he says. 2 Corinthians 6 beginning in verse 14. Do not be yoked together with unbelievers. Now, that sounds like this big, fat prohibition, right? And you're like, yeah, I knew we'd get around to this sooner or later. Thank you very much, Louie. This has been an awesome night. Um, I can't watch The Bachelor, and every time I do now, I'm going to be feeling your voice in the back of my head or thinking that you're watching The Bachelor, and that's going to give me problems that my pastor's watching The Bachelor. That's problematic. And I don't, I'm not saying I do or don't, but if I was, it was totally for scientific sociological research <laughs> to come in to the Boy Meets Girl series. That's the only reason I would have ever even thought about watching it, if I was watching it. 
Look, God is not a prohibitionist. He is a creator of wonder. And anytime God says no, he's just reminding us that that's not wonder. Because God still has this idea that you might come down to the altar and look in the eyes of that other person and there would still be wonder in your eyes. And that you would be naked and not ashamed. And so when God's saying something like, don't be yoked together with unbelievers, he's like, man, I'm telling you, I'm about to ruin your life. You know, I know you fall in love with JoJo, and he's amazing, and he's cool, and he's hot, and you all hang out. But, you know, he has no appetite for Jesus. He doesn't really have a real connection of heart to the Son of God. But, man, why don't you all go ahead and get married? No, he's going to say, hey, don't, don't do that. And you're going to go, wow, there you go, one more time, ruining my life for me. And he's like, no, I'm not ruining your life. I'm just helping you understand this simple principle. What do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Nothing. Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? None. What harmony is there between Christ and Belial? Well, that's a weird word, jumped in there real fast. That can be another name for the enemy, for Satan, for an evil spirit. Um, And the Greek word is for the name of Belial, this is just free extra, is Belier, B-E-L-I-A-R is the name of the person. I thought that was pretty right on. (laughs) What does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? Well, we uh, like the same food. Great. You can't really uh, pull together a whole life on that. Well, we were from the same town. Fantastic. You can't really pull a whole life together on that. You see, at the bedrock level, what do you have in common? Nothing, really. What agreement is there between the temple of God and idols? For we are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will live with them and I will walk among them. I will be their God and they will be my people. So what is the goal for us tonight? It is this. It is fall in love with Jesus and forget about dating. I mean, punt dating. Just go on a dating hiatus and say, Jesus, I just want more of you in my life. I want to I fall in love again with a man in the middle of the story. And then it's up to you to decide when you want to bring him or her into my view. I am not on a mission to find the right person for my life. God is still the CEO of the universe tonight. He is the general manager of all affairs on planet Earth, and it is his job as my father to bring me the right person at the right time. My heart just wants to lock onto Jesus and trust that he can fill and restore and piece back together all the mess of me. He can open a trunk with me. We'll talk about this next week and look around in there and do some amazing things in there and then I can arrive at the right place at the right time with a heart that's being restored by God. That's the mission tonight. And then when I find that person, I'll find somebody in love with Jesus, and we will link up together and live for him all of our lives. And if that's not happening in you, just as your pastor tonight, I just want to gently encourage you to consider embracing God's plan and saying goodbye to that person. You're like, could you say that one more time? I thought you said you want me to break up with her because she doesn't know Jesus. That's what I said. Well, why would I do that? Because you can't be united with someone who doesn't share your heartbeat for the most important thing in the world 
And I know how it goes. I mean, Shelly and I have done campus ministry a decade. We both sat across the table in conversations with countless students with relationship problems. 722 here in the city, 11 years, whole single scene of Atlanta, countless people, relationship problems. Still talk to people all the time, relationship problems, and you hear the same story. So I'm going to just tell your story so that you won't have to tell it tonight. But Louis, he's so close. And I'm the only Christian he knows and trusts. I mean, if I bail, he's as good as gone. Newsflash, he's gone now. He can't get more apart from God than being apart from God. And it is God's job to bring him to God, not yours. It is God's role and the Holy Spirit's purpose to bring him to the Father. God never gave you that job. Oh, but we're supposed to be witnesses and a light on a hill and blah, blah, blah. And how's that going? Well, it's not going good because we worked around the plan a couple of times and it's struggling with that and how all that fits together and it's all a bunch of mixed messages. Yeah. But I love him, Louie. I love him. I've never loved anyone like him. I'm not denying that you do love him. I'm sure you did fall in love with him. But you've got to ask God to help you get out of love with him. At least get out of the relationship with him. It might take you a while to get out of love with him or her. And then there's the other high school either or. You know how high school kids talk to their parents and it's like, Mom, Dad, if I don't go to this party, I'll spend the rest of my life miserable and alone. (laughs) It's like, seriously? There are no other options (laughs) in between there? It's like, well, I guess you're going to spend the rest of your life miserable and alone then. So head on down to the bedroom, you know? (laughs) It's like... You know, it's like, hello, there's like a B and a C and a D and a a bunch of options before you get down there. But that's what someone always wants to come back around with. But, you know, if I I don't, if I break up with this guy, he's the only guy I've ever found. I break up with this girl, then I'll just spend the rest of my life, I'll die alone. Please don't let that kind of thinking enter your heart tonight. Because there's a creator who's standing in the middle of the story and he doesn't want you to die alone. He wants you to be completely fulfilled. And he wants you to have an amazing marriage with somebody whose heart is on fire for the man in the middle of the story. And the pain that you feel now, and we've all felt it, everybody who's fallen out of love or broken up with somebody, there's nothing worse than the agony of that. There is nothing that feels like the crushing weight of that. It just absolutely stinks. And to say, yeah, step into that. I know that's a crazy thought, but it doesn't feel anything remotely like linking up with somebody who you can't get on your knees with, that you can't turn the pages of this amazing scripture with and say, what about that? That you can't follow God in awesome adventures with in this lifetime. The pain now pales in comparison to a lifetime of that. So what am I supposed to do? Go call him and tell him, I'm sorry you don't love Jesus and I'm going to have to walk away? Yeah. Well, if I do that, you're probably going to make a decision to follow Christ. Don't let him do that. Because then you'll spend the rest of your life wondering why he made that decision 
or why she made that decision. If you say, I gotta walk away from you because you know I love Jesus, you knew that about me, I've told you that, we've shared that. You say, but Louie, he's okay with that. He loves the fact that I love Jesus. Or she loves the fact that I love Jesus. Came to church at the Christmas Eve service. I mean, they're cool with it, you know, they didn't hate it. And if you drive that by and say, look, I'm gonna have to walk away because you know this is important to me. You know this is where I am. And I mean, they might just go, look, I want you bad enough to say, okay, what do you do? You, what do you do? You pray a prayer. Okay, I'm ready. I'll pray the prayer. You're like, oh my gosh, miracle just happened. And then five years from now, you're like, why did he pray that prayer? So what you got to do is say, look, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to walk away from you, like far away from you. I'm not going to see you or talk to you. I'm going to have to shut the door to you so my emotions can heal. And if you want to follow Jesus, that's up to you. You're going to have to go walk that out a while, like a while. Then you, you ring me up. While down the road of following Jesus, we'll see if God brings us back together again. I'll trust that he might, but I got to walk away. And believe God that he is working for your good and his glory, that he is working and fighting for your life, but that God has set a plan in my heart, and I'm telling you, this is not the plan. This is not the best of God for me.